Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Today in history, in 1866, American Lucy Hobbs Taylor became the first woman to earn a doctorate in dentistry. Before, they didn't give them doctorates because they were women. I have nothing funny about that. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. My name is Zachary, and there's nothing better than curling up next to a fireplace with 23,600 stolen books and having a good little read. Uh, my name is Megan, and as a library um, person, because that's our official name, um, I, I ask you not to steal that many books. We're on a town budget, uh, and it is limited throughout the year. And I'm Matt. Today I learned about a building in Beirut called Al-Bassa, which stands for The Grudge. It is, in essence, just a wall that was built by someone to block his brother's view of the ocean. That's fucking petty, and I live wow. for that. Yeah, That's the greatest. <laughs> Have we talked about spite houses? No. Oh, okay. So spite houses are these fun little things um, where you will have, like, a regular house. Yeah. Like, and that person owns the land, and then someone else owns a very thin strip of land right next to you, and they will build a fucking house there. Um, and it will usually, like, block out sun or a view, but, like, it's legal because oh they gosh. own that land. No, I hate that. I love that, but I hate that. <laughs> Do you, did you look it up? Because it's really funny. No, I, I haven't looked it up. I but have I, also not looked it up. Oh, that's fine. I'll look it Dro up for you. We can continue. Yeah, drop us an image in our Discord chat so we can share it with all our fun patrons. Oh, yeah, I forgot. There's one in... I, there are there are spite houses in Massachusetts, too. Spite houses in Massachusetts. But, Sounds like yeah, the name of a house. great band. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, our strikes have been set to zero. We have played a fake game of rock, paper, scissors, and the order for tonight is Zach, followed by Megan, followed by me, the caboose. Choo-choo! Choo-choo, indeed, motherfuckers. Wow. That, that some... went a direction that I wasn't ready for. Look, I'm coming with some hostility tonight. That's exactly what this... So, Megan just sent us a picture of a spite house. That's literally exactly what this guy's <laughs> house looks like. So, the house that I mentioned in my intro, the Al-Bassa, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Please feel free to correct me. Just do it politely because I'll cry. Um, it's literally two feet wide. So, it's like just a wall that's made to look like the front of a building like no oh, one yeah. no one could exist there um but yeah that's that's what spite houses are that's, so it's essentially the exact the exact same thing 
I love that. Yeah. Like, they're just, like, these really thin wall houses um, yeah. that, because you hate your neighbors. And I really, I, I appreciate that level of petty. That level of petty is the best. But anyways, uh, now that I have said the choo-choo, we should let Zach pull this train Train kept the, a rolling all night long. On to the things. On, on to the next one. And yes, speaking of on to the next one, I'm ready to go. <laughs> so uh, I didn't know what position I was going to be in uh, for this podcast uh, episode timing. Um, but I wasn't going to actually talk or like explain rather the 23,600 stolen books. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Until I got to my story because they are relevant to my story. Um, mm-hmm. And oh, I'm okay. happy to elaborate now. Because, well, it's kind of giving the ending away. I am talking about Stephen Bloomberg, finally. If you don't <laughs> remember, uh, a couple episodes back, I was t- going to talk about a notorious book thief. And I said that I couldn't do it. And then I turned into the macho man, Randy Savage. And I talked about a piece of shit from history who decided that he wanted to still be the ruler of a shit kingdom and murder his own son. Remember that? Yeah, vaguely. I recall being very angry that I didn't learn more about this book thief. Yeah, and also remember how I talk about going back to a lot of things and I never go back and talk about them? Yes. Well, joke's on you. I'm fucking doing it this time. We're very proud of you. This is growth. Guys, if you thought that this year was not a year for character growth for any of us, Zach is already on his way to character growth. He is growing before my our eyes. Development. Like a sunflower. <laughs> but yes, I will be talking about the book thief known as Stephen Bloomberg and his notorious gentleman of history stature. You see, Stephen was born in St. Paul, Minnesota in 1948 to a very wealthy family. His dad was a rich, rich doctor who also inherited a great sum of money from his great-grandfather. In fact, Stephen spent most of his early years living off of a $72,000 annual family trust. Pretty nice. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so I, I would yeah if i if someone you know i didn't have to work a day in my life and i still got seventy two thousand dollars a year i'd be doing all right too amen brother same yeah that'd be great it's almost double what i make without all right jack don't make it sad <laughs> jeez <laughs> i'm sorry i just got real fucking depressed all right oh, zach no. don't make it sad that's literally jeez. part of our goal here But anyway, Stephen's penchant for larceny began at a very young age when he would walk past the old rundown Victorian homes near his neighborhood in St. Paul, and he would, you know, steal a doorknob or two. Maybe some stained glass. Doorknob? Listen, you take what you can get, okay? (laughs) No, don't get me wrong. All of these houses were set to be demolished in the St. Paul revamp project that was happening. So once again, these are victimless crimes. And if you ask me, they don't fucking count. But what if you ask the doorknobs? Well, actually, actually, hold on one second. What's this? Um, Ask them. um, um, Our lawyers are saying I'm not supposed to say that technically crimes, quote, unquote, don't count. So, uh. I mean, I'm going to ignore the advice, but continue on. 
And he liked Thank to collect things. Thank you for things. ignoring our legal team. I, I do it all the time. It's we my specialty. pay them so that you can ignore them specifically. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's Making what Zach for, right? a gentleman crimesman himself. Yeah. By proxy. Uh, but he liked to collect things, and I can understand that. I, too, am a collector of things. Not I mean, doorknobs. He really just sounds like a crow. Yeah, he's a crow just person. picking up all the shiny things yeah. that he's Yeah, seen. he was, I yes. can relate to that. He was definitely a crow person, to the point where his parents thought that he was a little too weird and had him institutionalized on multiple oh, occasions. okay, wait, wait, wait. Have you been institutionalized <laughs> because you pick up shiny objects, Megan? Um... No. But people keep calling me a magpie. Ah, uh, well, it fits. If the shoe fits, the shiny, shiny, shiny shoe. Um, and so on one such occasion, he was institutionalized in a facility in Chicago, and he escaped said facility in Chicago, entered some abandoned buildings, stole some more doorknobs, and was arrested Yo, for entering what? private property. What's this guy's deal? He loves shiny things. He fucking okay, but like, you is know, a crow. Yes. You know what else is shiny? Diamonds. Yeah, yeah. but like doorknobs. They but make doorknobs like are, are easily Doorknobs are forever. But yes, so he is arrested for entering private property. To which I say, go get him, kid. Private property is inherently theft anyway, so you're just stealing that which was rightfully taken from all of us. Okay, um, the lawyers will be calling Zach after this specific actually, episode wait, of the... Okay. Matt, now yep. that you say that, the, the lawyers are back and they're standing right behind me. One of them has a hand on my shoulder and I'm being handed a a piece of paper, um, which I'm being asked to read. So hold on one second here. Um, it's important <clears throat> to note for the audience, uh, while one of them has a hand on his shoulder, the other one is threateningly... Uh, the other one has smacking a hand on his, his club clock. against his his hands, like <laughs> they do menacingly in like old cartoons. Uh, for legal purposes, we must state that the beliefs held by the individual known as Zachary do not reflect the whole of this production. It is still illegal to steal, no matter if you are personally perceiving it as morally okay to do so. Please disregard all previous statements made by Zachary that encourage the act of thievery. Well, okay, they let me say that legal mumbo-jumbo, so I assume that lets me get away with having no filter for the rest of the episode, so fuck it, let's I go. So. You assume incorrectly, but let's keep going. <laughs> so <laughs> his interest in doorknobs and glass does actually get him interested in Victorian architecture and other fun things like that, and it quickly gets funneled into rare books especially those that resided in the library at the University of Minnesota. And Classic. He begins kind of um, perusing in certain terms uh, the collections of like different universities around him and... Guys, we use the term perusing to mean stealing because yes. we did it in a and d campaign. In case you're ever wondering... When we say perusal, we mean theft. <laughs> we mean theft. <laughs> um, but he starts going to like these these collections, like, like the old art antique collections in universities, as well as like different antique collectors. To the point where like 
he is actually purchasing legal copies of books from antique collectors and antique and like rare book dealers kind of know him but he's kind of a weird loner anyway so no one asks too many questions um he was actually known for wearing like an old trench coat not trench coat but like a like a wool long wool coat anytime all time around the year and would like only buy his clothes from the goodwill and like okay only eat at soup kitchens i don't think he's fine i don't think he's okay but he is stealing lots of rare books and not spending any of the exuberant amounts of money he has (laughs) something about being thrifty that's always appealing i guess um and Stephen claims that he took items at the beginning to create a reference collection. Um, but it doesn't really matter why you're stealing shit, my boy. It's still stealing. And good for you. I can... We are still <laughs> on your side. Yeah, still on your side. I can encourage this behavior now because the lawyers made me read a disclaimer. That's not how that works. I mean, works. as long as he's, like, not destroying them, yeah. right? No, he's not. He's, like, he's hoarding them. He's, like, hoarding knowledge. It's... He's like a dragon. I'm chaos tonight. We're going to deal with it. And he is chaos hoarding things like a dragon with books. Um, And so in 1974, Stephen is arrested in Fort Lupton, Colorado, because, well, his car is stuffed with stolen books from universities all across Iowa, Colorado, and Nebraska. Yep. However, I'm like not surprised this guy like truly gets around. He like drove an Oldsmobile with a trailer attached to it and when they pulled him over, both the car and the trailer were stuffed. Yeah, he was just like I swear those aren't mine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just holding on to these I'm for just a holding friend. on to these for a friend. <laughs> and the the friend is the University of Nebraska. Hey, um I'm going to get the dog out here. I think I can smell books in the back seat. <laughs> Can we get the book smelling dog? Where's where's the narc? Uh, However, the charges of this arrest are actually just dropped. They kind of just disappear because both arresting officers move to different jobs and the case just fades away. And it's never really clear if the books wind up back in Stephen's possession or back to the universities from whence they came. Mm. Yeah, he stole them, but, like, give them back. <laughs> he did get arrested. He stole those fair and square. Yeah. Once again, I, I think about the Vizzini line from The Princess Bride. You're trying to take that which I have rightfully stolen. You are trying to take that. So it, things do get a little bit spicier for Stephen in 1988, because up to this point, Stephen had amassed quite a collection. And on top of that, a ego i guess about his collection to the point where he was getting a lot more bold about his attempts to steal uh manuscripts and other one of a kind books and he breaks into the university of california riverside in 1988 and and a custodian is cleaning up the place on the night shift when he notices this weird lanky dude inside the special collections department at oh 11 45 at night he's like hey <laughs> you got a student id yeah exactly so naturally he's like what the fuck is this guy doing he thinks something's wrong and the custodian goes custodian goes and confronts the man who introduces himself as matthew mcgoo 
Yeah, psych- that's a real name. <laughs> yeah, McGoo, M-C-G-U-E. Mm. Yep, that's a... I believe him. But Matthew McGoo <laughs> claims to be a psychology professor from the University of Michigan. Yeah. Who's, like, on Ooh, adjunct Goddamn liar. Yeah, right? That's not... And the custodian still thinks this is a little weird, web, even though he's like, yeah, I'm just a professor. Deal with it. Um, and he takes the uh, esteemed Mr. McGoo to the circulation desk at the library where the person working the desk almost immediately recognizes that name because the J. Paul Getty Museum sent out a security alert <laughs> a little bit earlier. Oh, Dude. man. <laughs> if someone at my job at the library brought me a felon, yeah. I'd be like, do you know how much I get paid? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> They're only bugs. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, let them take them. Let them take them. I'm on. ordering new ones right now. <laughs> Well, you also don't have, like, first edition rare manuscripts, do you? You don't know what we have, okay? <laughs> it's your job to know what you have. That's not true. My job... Go on. I don't I don't know what it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, uh, and... I feel that so hard. <laughs> What's my job? What is my purpose? You pass butter. You pass butter. You, you pass the butter. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so campus security is called, and then police are eventually called to deal with the situation. Um, and they end up going back to where Mr. McGoo was originally found, and they find a briefcase full of lockpicks, antique doorknobs, and articles about how garbage the campus security is here. I like how he brought the articles. I know, right? In case, he's like, just in case I have a chance to roast them. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, he was casing the joint for sure. And Are you ready for this roast sesh? Are you ready to get yeah. roasted? Magoo uh, like, M- is arrested. Wrecked, my boys. Get wrecked. Uh, he is arrested and identified as, you guessed it, Stephen Bloomberg. Uh, and he receives three years probation and a $1,000 fine for trespassing and the possession of items that could be used for burglary. But he didn't steal anything from the university, dot, 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 at that time. Yeah, well, classic. Also, remember this guy is filthy fucking rich, so what the fuck even is a $1,000 fine? Exactly. He's like, I shit that. What the hell? He's, He's like, like, I hey, wipe my ass with $1,000. Yeah. I make $70,000 in my sleep, okay? Yeah, exactly. I do nothing, and I still make $72,000 a year. Fuck. <laughs> and so he is arrested and at the time of his arrest he it also tips off a bunch of librarians in Washington and Oregon who have had a bunch of books stolen and dozens of other cases pop up with similar situations across the United States which guess who that tips off the CIA the other three letter acronym the NSA the- NSA. Fuck. No, the other other three-letter acronym. <laughs> the HOA. <laughs> the, yeah, the HOA gets involved. The Federal Bureau of Investigation. Okay, Zach, you know we're assholes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I love you. <laughs> We've been doing this podcast for, what, two years? Yeah. Yeah, I should expect it. Um, But yes, the FBI starts to actually build a case against this book thief, and... In March of 1990, the FBI shows up to uh, Stephen's door because his roommate fucking narked 
piece of shit. His roommate fucking narks on him. Snitches wind up in ditches. Yeah, I don't like all these rare fucking books around my apartment. I don't like reading a good book. Fuck you, man. Yeah, Yeah, fuck you, dude. Steven, like, comes home after, like, a trip where he probably was stealing more books. And the FBI is, like, at his doorstep being like, bitch, we got a warrant. And he's like, fuck, all right, jig is up. And the FBI shows up to his house where they find stacked from floor to ceiling almost 24,000 books valued at the time at roughly $20 million. Today's money would be about $46 million. That's a good amount of books. It's <laughs> a good amount of money. Bruh, if I had $46 million worth of books, I would never be heard from again. <laughs> the, the thing is, though, like, you can't just sell those on Amazon. Like, you gotta go find someone who actually knows that those are worth that much money. Yeah, but the thing is, like, again, like, I told you he, like, was known by all the rare book dealers because he would buy rare books. He just wouldn't sell any of them. He just wanted to hoard books. He was a dragon. He was a dragon. He was hoarding money and books. Yeah. And as he is, he's arrested because no shit. He's got $46 million worth of stolen goods in his house. And like any rich guy who's in deep shit, he tries to plea insanity. And yeah, classic. Yeah, classic move. Is kleptomania a type of insanity? <laughs> Not for rich people. For criminal prosecution. Uh, I don't believe. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have an Esquire at the end of my name. It would be pretty cool if I did. It would be pretty cool if you did. <laughs> I was, total side note, I was talking to Liz about that. I was like, what if I become a lawyer and then it would be doctor and Esquire? That would be pretty dope. That would be crazy. Anyway, <laughs> so... He tries to plea insanity during his trial, and the jury is like, yeah, fuck that. We're not buying it. And they decline the plea. And he ends up spending four and a half years in jail and paying a $200,000 fine. And he's like, I shit $200,000! That's, oh my god, what's that? <laughs> Two and a half years and I've made that? Okay. Without working, he picks up a part-time job and it's paid for. But as soon as he gets out of jail, <laughs> guess what? Here he goes again. stealing again. He's, He's like, arrested Oops. again in 1997 and several times throughout the 2000s for stealing like, more books. This man like could not be maniac. stopped. He's, yeah. And cannot be, won't be. Cannot, won't, can't be, won't be, just loves him some good, good books. And that's really kind of where the story just ends. Like, there's not a lot of other information about, like, his current whereabouts. Again, he was born in 1948, so, like, old he, as shit. He could still be he's I mean, he's collecting like, books. I think young, he's... No, wait. He's is 74. he younger than Donald Trump? I don't know. I don't give a shit about I don't even know his fucking age. Well, this was more of a dig to uh, how old Donald Trump is. Okay, fair enough. I know, I know uh, Stephen would be 74 today. So younger than Biden, younger than Biden, but either way, he's probably not stealing too many books now in his, uh, much older years um, in his golden years. Yeah. But I, I will say it did kind of change how 
like rare manuscripts were like locked up like there's a lot more security around books now than there was before which is a wild thing to think about that like there's just security in general yeah like they didn't like people treat rare books now like they treat museum pieces where like there's a lot of security cameras and like glass doors and things like that where it's like it used to be like hi here's a book that's old as fuck no one cares but like i think i mean it's good it is good and well i say that i think it's a double-edged sword because i think that freedom of information is absolutely essential and that we cannot progress as a society while having gate-kept information but no, on the but other it's like hand, not gatekeeping because like there are original. There's like this is a bad example, but like there's there's first hand there's first edition of like say Tess of the Dubervilles. Yeah. Uh, but like people don't need to be handling that because it's old. Yeah. But we have copies of it that people that are exactly the same as the original. It's just like they won't fall apart. True. True. Yeah, I mean, but he, this guy stole some weird, crazy shit. He stole um, a first edition Phantom Tollbooth. <laughs> oh, I mean, so he uh, claimed that he put together a hundred um, incunabula, uh, I think I'm saying I that right, uh, in three I'll years. I'll believe you because... I don't know what that is. It's basically a book or pamphlet that was printed in the earliest stages of printing in Europe. Um, they were basically produced before the printing press became widespread. Oh. Um, he had 25 boxes of rare materials, including outlining the early history of Oregon, including the Webfoot Diary and the Bishop's Bible, a 16th century volume of the Bishop's Bible. Uh, I need that. A 1493 uh, Nuremberg Chronicle bound in ivory calfskin. Um, he attempted to collect the full um, Zemanora, Zemarano 80, which is the 80 books uh, intended to represent the most significant early volumes published in the history of California. Um, Fuck. A first edition of Uncle Tom's Cabin. Like, the dude. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I love it. He, I love Uncle Tom's Cabin. <laughs> he, he, he just stole as much like expensive books as he could. As I said, he had like forty-six million dollars worth of books. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This guy's wild. 
He's a wild man. So wild man. But yes, this absolute boffin who was just so a dragon literally. that loved books stole a shit ton of them, and that's my story. <laughs> man, I love a good literate crimesman. A hmm. literate crimesman. I love smart crimesmen. We should probably I mean, move yeah. on to Megan's story now. If you want. I do. Okay, well, listen, it's not it's not the best story, but I liked it. Fair enough. <laughs> um, it doesn't have a snappy name, unfortunately. Oh. Uh, I know. Okay. I know. Um, it's just it all all I have is um like Bitches and Magic, the Tudor prologue. Okay. It's it's there. It's not quite there, but it's It's there. something. It's not it's something. And I appreciate um, that there's something. Yeah, well, I didn't really have anything snappy, uh, but here we go. Okay. So, one of my favorite genres to read is historical fiction. I mm-hmm. think it's a lot of fun. Uh, most people will disagree. Um, <laughs> most however, people most suck. People, yeah. <laughs> well, like, I kind of have to convince people to read historical fiction. I'm like, give it a try. But, like, I think if it's written well, it's, like, probably one of the best ways to be invested in the past. Because, yeah. like, it's... I don't know, you you, you re... Uh, much like when you put dehydrated food into a rehydrator, um, it, it's sort of like fluffing up the boring historical stories you read in textbooks. Like, you give life back to the people. Okay. Um, that being said, though, I don't think most people write historical fiction well, so when <laughs> you find someone that does do it, you kind of, like, slurp it up like a pack of gushers. Uh... <laughs> Man, I love Gushers. I mean, yeah, so, they're great, says the man who drank two Capri Suns today. But, <laughs> like, I never would, I never in my life did what I ever thought that I would hear the phrase, slurping it up like a pack of Gushers. Slurping it up like a pack of Gushers. I gotta be honest with you, Gushers were my least favorite candy when I was a little boy. Well, yeah, Fruit okay, by the Foot well, was the superior one. But You're we'll, absolutely correct. I know. That's that's fine. I like, know. Okay, you're slurping it up like a fruit by the foot. I like that better. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. So the person that I have in mind is an author named Philippa Gregory, and she has a PhD in 18th century literature, and this lady can, like, spin a tale. Okay. So more specifically, like, she wrote this series of books about women surrounding the reign of King Henry the uh, King Edward the Fourth, sorry, okay. uh, which got made into a series called The White Queen. Um, it, it was on Stars, and like me and my mom watched it a lot. But more specifically, I want to talk about like the Queen herself. So okay. her name was Elizabeth Woodville, and this lady was known for being hot in the 1400s. Hell yeah, um, hot 1400s yeah. ladies. Mm, yeah, she like just my type. <laughs> You know, you say that <laughs> at the beginning of this story until I'm going to describe her later. Oh, I I, can't, I I knew I would walk into it awfully if I did say it and I just I I wanted I was going to take that plunge. I I thought I was you worth know, it. I mean like maybe she was, I don't know, but like you know how like you see portraits from like the 13 and 1400s yeah. and people just look like bald eggs yeah. and <laughs> 
<laughs> you're just like, what? What's this lady's name again? So her name is Elizabeth Woodville. Zach's going to look um, her up now. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's going to look look her up. I mean, go ahead. She's She looks like an egg. I mean, yeah, they all look like eggs in those kind of things. I know they all look like an egg. Okay, Everyone but like, in the 1400s looked like an egg. They they did like a I'm gonna send this in the Discord. They did like a revamped portrait of her, like what she might look like in modern. Day. I mean, maybe she's hot. Oh, I mean, shit. not not upsetting at all. It's not upsetting, but like the other picture looks like an egg. The other picture, oh, yeah. she's definitely an egg. Definitely an she's egg. She's an egg. She is. She's like a an thousand egg. percent egg-like. Yeah. Um. So. She's known for being hot in the 1400s, which I feel wasn't that hard considering our standards are like as a, like a collective weren't that high, um, and there were like two people alive at the time, <laughs> so there's not much to pick from. Uh, also, c- Korean skincare hadn't been perfected yet, so you know the the ladies in the 1400s really modern day don't have a chance. Got it. But. In any case, she was called the most beautiful woman on the island of Britain with heavy lidded eyes like those of a dragon. Nice. There's our through line. We found the through line. <laughs> we did find the through line. Um, so hot Elizabeth, as she will now be referred to, <laughs> was born sometime around 1437 to parents who got married in secret because they weren't of equal social standing. Okay, I'm Scandalous. already for it. It's a budding romance. Mm, I'm all it's for this. It's a budding ro- This whole thing is a budding romance. It's really nice. Kind of. Uh, so her father was gentry, but not noble. So, like, I, there's a difference, I guess. I, I guess. Um, I, <laughs> I guess. I'm not gentry or noble, so what the fuck do I know? I'm just You're a, a filthy commoner. You're a commoner. I'm sorry. Uh, so I think Gentry is, like, he has lands, but, like, he's not... He has lands, but no title. He has lands, but no title. Um, her mom, though, was the daughter of a Luxembourgian count. Oh. So, you know, definitely, she was noble. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she, you know, with a daddy like that. <laughs> uh, so not only was her mom, like minor nobility but she oh sorry so elizabeth was like only minor nobility and she was also widowed with two sons like as she got older so in terms of catching like a literal king she wasn't bringing much to the table other than being hot like by the time she meets edward okay um that being said that's all i bring to the the table sometimes Literally, like, this is why people got mad at her later. They were just like, she's hot. She doesn't do anything for England. And Edward's just like, um, she does things for the royal staff, my dick. <laughs> so. <laughs> That's all that needs to be done. Okay. Yeah, it's just like, Jeez. I don't, like, leave her alone. Uh, so the legend goes that King Edward saw her and was so struck by her, by her beauty that he had to marry her and that the marriage, because it was going to be so controversial, happened in secret. Um, I know, so scandalous, I told you. Secret so, marriage. Secret marriage. Getting married to a widow with two sons won't be a problem, I'm sure. That's how the song I goes. like that we create songs. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. That are bad. Yeah. They're really bad. Speak for uh, yourself. <laughs> they're I did. bad. They're... My songs aren't great. But so they get so, married in secret. They get married in secret. And this made Edward one of the first kings since the Norman Conquest to marry one of his subjects. And she wasn't just a consort. This lady became like a true queen. And as you can imagine, their marriage caused a lot of problems, especially among the senior figures in court. Uh, because they were just like, why wouldn't you... Like, if you're going to marry one of your subjects, why wouldn't you do it from one of the noble families, right? Like, this was previously sort of like an unspoken rule where you were going to, like, pick one of the princesses of Europe, but, like, you didn't, and it wasn't one of us, so now we're super mad. (laughs) (laughs) Get butthurt, bitches. Yeah, they're, like, all really butthurt. So... He gets married in the woods. As you should. Yeah. And Elizabeth wastes no time in securing her place in this hostile court. Like, she starts marrying off all of her relatives to some of the most notable English families in the land. Like, one of the most egregious marriages she set up was of her 20-year-old brother to the Duchess of Norfolk, who had been widowed three times already and was in her 60s. So- <laughs> I, I love she- nepotism marriages so much. Dude, people were just like, she was just like, they love each other. And everyone's just like, shut the fuck Do up. They? No, they don't. <laughs> They were like, I don't love my husband, but I love him more than this marriage. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, when I read that at first, I thought, like, she was widowed for nefarious reasons, and not just because being 60 was, like, the equivalent of being, like, 900 in the 14th. (laughs) It would be more fun if she had been widowed for nefarious reasons. reasons. And she wasn't. She was just really old. She had outlived three husbands um she was like elizabeth was so disliked that edward's brother accused her of killing his wife via witchcraft excellent when in doubt go with the witchcraft angle yep she he was just like you're a fucking witch and elizabeth was just like have you considered she died in childbirth (laughs) and he was like no it was witchcraft hey you're the fool Uh, that knocked her up sucker mic drop yeah sucker you killed her uh so he also accused her uh her mother of practicing witchcraft as well which surprisingly has some historical basis oh okay uh because her family in Luxembourg claimed to be descended from a freshwater like goddess named Melusine. And witchcraft aside, Elizabeth and her mother were like kind of leaning into that. They were just like, oh, well, should. like we're kind of magical because of the arist- aristocratic blood that we have. I mean, um, yeah, look, if someone accuses you of witchcraft and you're like hot, excuse me, high up enough on the nobility that they can't burn you at the stake, I think you were then obligated to be like, don't fuck with me or I'll hex you, bitch. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, dude. Like, if you're going to be like, oh, I think that, like, we have a literal water goddess, like, somewhere in our family bush. like Our family bush. (laughs) It's not even a tree. It's a family bush. Listen, you know that all the the royal This is our family shrubbery. This is our family shrubbery. Uh, shrubbery. It was family shrubbery. 
Uh, so, witchcraft aside, Elizabeth and her mother were also really true survivors in, like, a pretty cutthroat world. Um, when Edward temporarily fell from power, they both hauled themselves and Elizabeth's ten children because she she popped out eight more lot. of those suckers. Listen, <laughs> she did a lot for the royal staff. I can tell. <laughs> she did a lot for it. Uh, so they hauled the whole family to the cellars of Westminster Abbey, where she gave birth to another child. Holy um, shit! Yeah, dude. Lucky dude, number just eleven. Like my, Lucky number. Yeah, 11. my husband may be. Uh, not king anymore, but like. But the royal scepter I, is still getting polished, if you know what I yeah, mean. Yeah, dude. The royal scepter has done its job. Um, so she gave birth to a son, and that she is also the mother of. Do you guys know the story of like the two boys locked in the tower that got killed? No. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes, I do. Yeah, the two. I, yeah, I, like Richard vaguely. The third. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So like anything about this. Yeah, so long story short, uh long story Richard short. the Third short. Short, Long story short, um Richard the Third, who takes power from Edward, locks Elizabeth's two sons who are claimants to the throne in the Tower of London, and he says, I will keep them safe. And he it is widely believed that he killed them, and actually like maybe a decade ago two skeletons were found under the stairs in the Tower of London, like, confirming that he killed them. Um, and those were her sons. Fucking whack. Okay. I know. So, when Edward died, she became Queen Dowager, and there was a massive power grab. Parliament went so far as to say that the marriage, that her marriage to Edward was never legitimate, making all ten of her children like that she had by him bastards oh fuck i know can you imagine just in one fell swoop being like man we have a baseball team full of bastards over here (laughs) (laughs) so what you're telling me is the government fucking sucks understood (laughs) we have a baseball roster of bastards you okay it's 11 people you have at least one whole fucking side of a football team oh that's what i'm saying dude this is your first string God, I should have I should have named this story the baseball team of bastards. Well, it's good that we've actually, gotten a title no, 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 for I lied, story. I lied. It's not actually a football team because two of them died in a fucking tower. It's back down oh, to yeah, nine. Oh yeah, that's true. It's a baseball yeah. team full of bastards. It's a baseball team of bastards, dude. Yeah, because two two of them died tragically. So <laughs> Elizabeth wasn't one to be put down, though. You know, her sons may have been killed. Her husband's dead, and she's. Her all of her kids are bastards, but she's still uh, like Chumbawamba, tub thumping. I get yeah, knocked down, she's, but I get up again. She's like, she's like, I'm getting up again. And in order to take the throne away from Richard, she promised her eldest daughter, a, a York prince. Yeah, get this guy's Richard a dick. dick. I'm sorry, yeah. that was a low blow. Oh man, no, it was a good blow. It <laughs> was a good. I'll one. take the strike. Yeah, please do. Yeah, that's a strike. This is our first strike of 2023, and it's going straight <laughs> it to It is Zach. our... Well, classic. I earned that shit. She, he definitely did. Um, so in order to take the throne away from Richard, she promised her eldest daughter, who is a York princess, to the Lancaster prince, and united the two houses that put to, to end the War of the Roses, which 
founded the Tuner dynasty. Oh. Uh, so she is sort of like one of the mothers of the Tudor dynasty. And her daughter was King Henry VIII's mother. Wow. 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 Yes. All right. And during the last few years of her life, Elizabeth lived at this place called Bermondsey Abbey, where she died in 1492. But yeah, if anyone's interested, like the books The White Queen and The Red Queen, very good by Philippa Gregory. And it tells, like, their whole story. But I know it wasn't the most, like, interesting. No, 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 no. I... You, you have hit on one of my secret loves, which is the weird bullshit of old English politics. Zach, <laughs> oh, don't yeah. fucking lie. One of your secret loves is egg-headed women from the 1400s. <laughs> Shut up. With, with heavy-lidded <laughs> eyes like with a dragon. With heavy-lidded eyes like a dragon. Look. I don't kink shame you. You no, can't kink you're shame you're absolutely me. right. I'm just telling you that you can't say that one of your things is... Well, it's not a secret love anymore if you fucking out me like okay, that. Okay, but, like, don't be ashamed of your kinks. <laughs> All right. I don't think... Zach is, like, the last person that would be ashamed of his Right, kinks. which is yeah, why absolutely. I don't know why he's keeping any of his love secret. Yeah. Add egg-shaped women to the list. Add egg-shaped women to the list of kinks. Um, <laughs> but if you if you guys tell Liz, tell Liz. Oh God, <laughs> don't ever. <laughs> um, I'm gonna send something horrible to the Discord. Continue. If you, <laughs> as wow. if I'm gonna be able to focus. Send me what a picture of an egg-headed woman. Yeah, I only <laughs> can. When I'm going to, I've decided I'm actually going to go, I'm going to online date. And <laughs> she's I, just going to post pictures of her looking like an egg-headed woman. No, I'm going to, I'm going to message, I'm going to message other people. I'm going to be like, said eggheads. Oh, <laughs> uh, Zach. Oh my God. My secret kick. I hate it. Okay. Um, I'm going to move on if we're okay with that. Yeah, you I got guess. it. Please take uh, the reins. I'm, I'm not safe in my hands. I, I'm going to ask you guys to pull up a chair because I am taking a break from the segment within a segment about wonderful uh, weird women of history to talk about your dad's favorite topic. That's right, kids. It's World War II time. Egg-headed women. Egg-headed women have nothing to do with this story. Fuck. Um, They're my dad's favorite topic. Your dad... No. If Zach becomes a dad, that will be his favorite topic. But <laughs> your dad specifically loves World War II. Um, so today I'm going to tell you guys an exciting tale about the 23rd Headquarters Special Troops, who are affectionately referred to as the Ghost Army for reasons I'm about to get into. Calm down, don't rush me. Um, well, <laughs> I, okay, I, I do have Mystery Incorporated on speed dial. Okay, Quiet. fair. Uh, so this is actually a story that I've wanted to tell for a long time, um, but I haven't gotten around to it, and I had the time today, so here we are. Uh, one of, what's that? Why are you holding back? I was holding, I, well, the thing that holds me back typically is that I have to write notes at work. And so, like, I don't always get to deep dive on some of this shit as deeply as I want yeah. to. Yeah. But I had That's time. T- I, I had time today, so. 
Um, Get into it. Pitter patter. Fucking. What did I just say? Calm down. Don't (laughs) rush me. Uh, So one of the interesting things about the 23rd is they were activated on January 20th of 1994, which, if you studied your history carefully, was just one year before the end of the war. Um, Wait, did you say 1994? 1944. I might have said okay. 1994. My brain is big, dumb, empty, no thoughts. Okay, 44, un- much more understandable. Continue. Yeah, 94 is, you know, a good 50 years I was going to say, they're all a little late to this fucking party, if we can call it that. Um, Dude, can you imagine? We, uh, World War II secretly ends in the, the And then they 90s. get time-traveled. Oh, hell yeah. They get activated and time-traveled in a We're talking about historical fiction. I love that. That's what we're going to do. It's a historical fiction book about a modern-day battalion that gets fucking sent back in time to win World War II. All right, continue. I'm just going to think about this. (laughs) He's like, I have a lot to think about. So they operated under the command of Colonel Harry L. Reeder. They consisted of 82 officers and 1,023 men. Um, this unit was comprised of artists, engineers, fashion designers, and other such artistic folks, uh, that were expecting for soldiers, but continue that were handpicked for one particular task. And that task was deception. Okay. Nice. This group of specialized soldiers also, I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, they had a uh, the highest average IQ of all the other soldiers. Like, all the other <laughs> units in World War II did not stack up to this. The average IQ for this unit was 119. Jeez. Jesus <laughs> um, so, so smart. So this specialized group of soldiers used their skills as sound engineers, set de- set designers, fashion designers, and artists to fool Nazis into thinking that they were very outmatched in certain situations. Uh, what I thought was really interesting when I was doing my research on this topic today uh, was that some of these men were present at the D-Day invasion in Normandy. Okay. And, and their role was specifically, there were only 17 of them, but their specific role was to set up fake artillery outposts after the Americans took the beach, uh, which was meant to draw the fire of the Germans, which uh, these fake artillery outposts did uh, with resounding success. I love that. Their first large-scale deployment was deploying 50 dummy tanks and sound machines near the front lines of Brest, which is a port city in France. So essentially what these guys would do is they would bring tanks that they just blew up with, like, they were... Like rubber tanks, basically, like life-sized what rubber tanks. What you're telling tanks. me is they had, like, their Christmas. charisma was maxed out. Well, I was gonna say yeah, like dude. Christmas their inflatables. Their deception. Their deception. Yeah, they had inflatable tanks, <laughs> and they had sound machines, and just recordings, and they could essentially convince people of whatever the fuck they wanted. I love that. Oh, God. 
Um, War is just not the same anymore. Well, <laughs> while I was doing my research, I found that members of the company, the 23rd, uh, had stated that Patton, General Patton, was one of their favorite generals to work with because he fully embraced this, like, tactic mm-hmm. and worked with them to help them make their deceptions more believable. I love that. Fucking Patton knew what he was doing. Man, find yourself a boss who will believe in your dreams and your visions. So, um... Once during the siege of uh, Metz, I don't know if this is how anything's pronounced. It's French, and I'm not going to try. Patton managed to have a hole in his defenses, which the ghost army plugged up for seven days until help could arrive. So essentially what that meant is that it was a group of not that many people that then went out with sound machines and just made it sound like there was an entire group of soldiers there. Seven days the, of lying through your fucking teeth. Seven days of like holding ultimate. like the most imaginary line possible. They're like the ultimate Foley artists. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that alone baffled me. Uh, but they also helped Patton at other times, uh, just like in operation Brittany, where they used um, fake radio. Uh, So another thing that they would do is they would fake radio broadcasts um, and they would confuse the Germans who were listening in on the intel. So essentially what they did is they said that uh, Patton's forces were here when Patton was really miles further east or west or wherever. Um, And so they just let people... let people hear these radio broadcasts and then the Germans would be running on a wild goose chase looking for Patton's forces. Um, True heroes. And then... uh, During the Battle of the Bulge, they similarly led Germans away from the relief soldiers who were meant to be backing Patton up. So in the in a similar fashion, they uh, they sent out radio broadcasts to say where soldiers were located, which was miles off course of where the soldiers actually were. I love that. Um, but what was really impressive to me is that their biggest job in the entirety of the uh, World War II came in March of 1945, uh, where they were asked to create a distraction for two separate groups trying to cross the Rhine. Um, they set up 10 miles south of the intended landing zone and began preparations to make it sound like they had amassed a group of 40,000 soldiers. Jesus so Christ. They're like... No job is too big. No job is too big. We can get it done. They inflated 600 life-sized soldiers. They had sonic trucks blasting the sounds of bridges being built and officers yelling at soldiers to stop smoking so many cigarettes. Um, They also spread false radio chatter. They... uh, had painted different insignias on the inflatable tanks that they had brought so that it looked like more than one, um, 
group of soldiers were amassed there. They also uh, etched or stenciled onto their clothes different insignias and went into the local towns and basically spoke loudly about their plans and where they were so that if there were any German spies in the bars, they would be able to report back to their higher-ups and... It would be false information, obviously. I love that. Um, And this deception worked. And while the ghost army on the day of the attack was being attacked by German soldiers, uh, the other two um, were able to sneak across the Rhine with little resistance. Fuck yeah. So the ultimate distraction team. And that's so fucking good. Yeah. So the um, the war ended soon after, a few months after that, yeah. and uh, their work was auto like automatically made confidential. Uh, they were all asked to sign NDAs so that they could not mention anything about what they did over there. Um, but now that we're living in the year of our Lord twenty twenty three. Uh, it is known to the public that three men of the 23rd were killed, 30 men were wounded, but in return, the ghost army is believed to have saved anywhere between 15,000 and 30,000 lives. Oh Holy fuck. Good J- for them. Just by convincing people that they weren't, the, or that they were... Something that they weren't. <laughs> Just like... That's so good. I think I mean, the one that impresses me the most is holding a position for seven days until backup came. Yeah. Because at any point, all it really takes is a fucking... Like, one German soldier walking far enough into the place that you're supposed to be. Like, or a group, and then if one of them gets away, you're fucked. Yeah. So it it was really, really interesting to hear about that. I mean, it's, it's so, again, I, it's not great, but the U.S. has always been really good at weird psychological warfare. <laughs> uh, like, it's not great, but, it's not uh, great. and I, it's not honest work. It's, yeah. it's not honest it's work, work, but it's, it's, it's a living. It's certainly work that like, we do. It's, this reminds me of like a little bit more wholesome version of like uh, Operation Wandering Soul. Yeah, what? which I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, I'm not. But it was a thing that they did in Vietnam. Oof, oof, boof, oof, boof. Do we? Where at night they would basically play like I don't know how to say it other than spooky ghost noises. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And they would blast it at the Viet Cong because in Vietnamese belief, like, if you're not buried in your homeland, your soul wanders eternally in pain. Great. And Great. so they basically were, like, blasting, like, horrible ghost noises throughout the night at the Viet Cong soldiers being like, yeah, now that all these people have died on the battlefield and did not die in their, like, and be buried where they are supposed to be, their souls are wandering. And they're screaming at you in the night. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's real fucked up. But like, real fucked good up. Good on America. As I said, 
But yeah, but like again, this why I said that this reminds me of a more wholesome version of that where they were like, we're just gonna like it's like we're getting attacked by a bear and we're just gonna make ourselves look bigger. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, pretty much. They're like, put on the bear's noises. Put on the bear noises. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. I just think that like it's so it's really cool that at any point they could have been found out and they weren't. I you know what? Fucking art's important, people. <laughs> and that, dude, in conclusion, art is really important because it beats Nazis. In conclusion, so. yes. save your local art Yes. <laughs> in conclusion, thank an artist for their service. <laughs> no. Inappropriate. Bad. <laughs> um... But if we don't have anything else to say, I know that Zach will eventually cut me off as I'm doing my outro to talk about our socials. But yep, for now, I will right live now. in the un. Oh, okay. I'm I'm, I'm going to do it real quick for you. Go Super for it. easy. So barely an inconvenience. Hi, barely folks. an inconvenience. How you doing? It's me, your boy. And I'm here to talk about all of our wonderful social media uh, because we have some really fun stuff. We post. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at least. Sometimes extra. Sometimes we forget when it's a holiday on our Instagram. But you can find us on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. You can find us on Facebook. And you can find us on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash triumvirate productions. Or if you just inside the little search bar where you search for people, you look up the triumvirate productions. We're there. You can find us. Um, we have a $3 level where it's just, hey, you want to support us, and that's nice, and we love that. We have a $5 level where you get What the Fuck After Dark, which is our after show, where you get to hear the things that we talk about before and after we record each episode. And we also have a $10 level, and at that $10 level, you also get After Dark, but you also get show notes and unedited episodes of the podcast and we actually did have someone sign up for our ten dollar level which is really cool alana we appreciate your support actually we appreciate all of your support anyone who does listen and if you can't give us a little bit of your money and you would like to just give us a little bit of your time go to apple Podcasts and give us a rating and review if you give us a five star rating and write a little review for us it does help us kind of get up the charts and get a little bit more recognition in the algorithm because we live in a society dictated by algorithms so give us a little help here other than that i'll turn it back to you matt to do what you do I won't say best. You talk about history the best, but you also wrap up this podcast the best. <laughs> and with that, ladies and gentlemen, I have but one question for you, and it is... What the fuck, history? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.